better than having something that I'm going to be flying all over the place. I got to hear John preach uh, when he was at uh, school. I got to uh, listen in on him preach and a number of others I see out here. got to listen in uh, on you preaching. Justin uh, preached as well. You guys did a great job. And I feel like a lot when I'm, I'm there helping out teaching is more like Simon Cowell. You know, I, 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 don't, it, it's like, I don't know if Simon knows how to sing, but he definitely knows what singing is. And you can guess for yourself whether I know how to preach or not, but I know what preaching sounds like. And so it's always good to just listen to other preachers and, and sort of write something down and say, man, Justin did such a great job on that one. i got to take that point and, and uh, copy him. No, just kidding. But uh, let me uh, just open this up in a word of prayer if I could. Dear Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to come into your presence. And I think of uh, those verses that uh, we sang about or that we read briefly up on the screen from Revelation 4 and how all the elders are there throwing their crowns down and crying out, singing out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. And we come into your holy presence now. We are like Moses walking into the presence, taking off our feet, taking off the shoes off our feet and being in your holiness. We pray now that as we hear your word. As we listen to your word, you may speak to us. And just like you called Samuel out of the middle of the night, you might call us even now to reflect on your beauty and your love. And I pray that you would guide me, that you would guide my words and my thoughts, that they might be worthy in your sight. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you know this. If you go to Microsoft Word, and you're working on Microsoft Word, you work on Microsoft Word, and there, uh, in the spelling area, you can choose between one of two English languages. You can choose British English, or you can choose American English. Now, there are slight differences. Slight differences of how they speak over there and, and, and how we speak over here. But there's differences also in words. A difference I learned one day when I was in Oban. I was in Oban. Oban is on uh, the east, the, the west coast of Scotland. I, and I was with my friend Jamie and his wife Deborah. And Christy and I were just touring around. It's a beautiful city. And we were walking along. Jamie and I were walking along. And we came to a sports store. And being, man, we, we had to go in the sports store. We weren't going to go looking for clothes. But we needed to go in. And I said to Jamie, Jamie. I have a great pair of fleece pants. They're, they're really warm. They're great. I just love wearing them around the, my flat. And I'd like a pair of Gore-Tex pants to keep me dry. And, and he kind of looked at me and chuckled a bit. And said, sure, why don't we go in? And we looked around, and we're looking at things, and we just didn't know what was what. And so I, I, you know, I, I said, Jamie, what do you think? You know, I'm not used to these stuff. What, what do you think? What could we do? He says, how about this? There's a lady right there behind the counter, a young lady. Why don't you go ask her for your help? So I walked up, and, and Jamie stayed behind. For some reason, I didn't know what. So I went up, and I said to this lady, young woman, I think she was just about 18 or so, and I said, could you help me? You know, I have this pair of fleece pants. I love these fleece pants. I walked all around the house with them. They're nice and warm. But, you know, I want something that keeps me dry. You know, I just want something that keeps me dry. So can you give me a pair of 
Gore-Tex pants so I can wear them. And she looked at me in the oddest way. And I said, what's going on? And then I noticed Jamie on the floor laughing hysterically. And I'm like, what is going on? And then it dawned on me. Then I realized what was going on. The word pants in Britain means underwear. And I've explained to her that I have this nice warm underwear that I walk around the house with, and I want something to keep me dry. <laughs> you know, the words we use are important. They mean different things in different cultures. And this is also true when we pick names. Uh, my name, for instance, Derek. If you're a German, and I am a German, and you look up the name for Derek, it means ruler. Well, I, I kind of like that. But if you, I found out in Hebrew class when I was in seminary that the name Derek is the word for road or way. And it was often used in the Old Testament for the way of the Lord. And I, I like that better. But that's not why my parents named me. You see, in order to know why my name was chosen, you have to understand what my parents were doing. They had season tickets right there on the top of the Boston Garden. And they watched, every night they watched Derek Sanderson play hockey. And that's where I get my name. Not because I was, they wanted me to be a ruler. Not because they wanted me to follow the way of the Lord. But because I'm a hockey player. We choose names for different reasons. Christy and I are choosing names right now. You guys, I'm sure, are picking out names as well. And we got this list of names. We haven't made any decisions yet. But we're going to go in. We don't know what the baby is, a boy or girl. But we're going to go in and we, we got all the names and we're just going to figure it out as we go. And when you're choosing names, you choose names for different reasons. Sometimes it's just the sound of the name. Maybe it sounds strong. Or maybe it sounds, uh, I love the name Jasmine. Just Sounds beautiful off the top. Actually, Jamie's daughter is named uh, Jasmine. Uh, anyways, or we, we think of someone we know. We want to name it after someone, say, name the person after someone. Or we know the meaning of the name, and we, we know that meaning, and we want that meaning to be a part of their lives. Or we know a story, a story behind the name. Now, have you ever heard of the name Isaac? Are there any Isaacs here in our midst? No Isaacs. Isaac is a name that has a lot. It's a, it's a great name. It sounds very strong. I've never met an Isaac. I don't know if any of you have met an Isaac, and I don't know what he was like. But the meaning of the name Isaac is a great meaning. But in order to get to the meaning, you have to know the story behind Isaac, how Isaac came about. And in order to know Isaac, you need to know a lot of other names as well. Names that we'll find in Genesis. In Genesis uh, 15 through 20, or 16 through 20 is what I think we're looking at tonight. And in those names, you will find a lot of names that bring color to the black and white story of Isaac. And so I'd like to turn to Genesis 16, if you have a Bible. And we're going to just follow along and look at these names that are there. Names are important in Genesis, and actually in all the Old Testament, because they mean things. And in Genesis 16, we have the story of, if you have in, uh, in your, sort of a, a title on your, your chapters, it's Sarai and Hagar. And it says right at the beginning of it that, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now, why that's important for us to know, if you've been following along in Genesis, 
is that about 10 years earlier, in Genesis 12, God made a covenant, a commitment, a, a relationship with Abram. And what he said to Abram is he said, if you follow me, if you go from this place where you're living, Haran, and go to the place where I'm calling you, I'm going to give you a blessing. And he says, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so in Genesis 12, we find out three blessings that Abram will receive because he followed God. One is that he will have a great name. That his name will be great. Everyone will know about him. The other one is that he will uh, have or he will occupy, God will give him the land which we know as Canaan or what we now know as modern-day Israel. But then the third blessing he gives them is that you will be a great nation. And he tells us afterwards that as he's walking through this place, he says, to your descendants I will give this land. And so Abram knows that he is, he's going to have a lot of descendants. He's going to have a lot of children, a lot of young ones running around that are going to become a great nation. But as we heard in chapter 16, nothing's happened. And this bothered Abram. It bothered Abram quite a bit. In chapter 15, we find that God met him again. And as he met him again, he wondered about this. You know, God, I'm getting quite old. Seventy-five in chapter twelve. Sarah, Sarah, I would have been sixty-five. I'm not spring chickens anymore. And he thought, you know what? I have an heir in my house, Eleazar of Damascus. I think it's him. But God said, no. Someone will come from you. And so they wondered. And that's where we come to chapter sixteen, because it says that Sarai has had no children. And so I'm sure they talked about this. But they spent nights and they're thinking at the people, well, what do you think God meant by this? What is God doing in our lives? Why hasn't God answered? It's been ten years since God promised us this. What's going on? And they talked about it and they discussed it, what they could do. And then they, well, at least we know Sarah, they came up with an idea. She said, now we don't know if Abraham was part of this idea, but definitely Sarai came up with this idea. And she said to Abram, Now, behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. This is verse 2 of chapter 16. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Now, I don't think this should be done in today's society, but in that society, it wasn't that uncommon. That servants in someone's house, if that, that if a servant had a child, that child would be part of the owner's house. As bad as it was, it was quite common back then. And so Sarah I said, look, it's not working. How about we do this? How about you take Hagar as your wife and you go sleep with her and we'll have a child together through Hagar. And so they did. And Lo and behold, Hagar's pregnant. And Hagar's pregnancy... Now, just a little... You can 
we, we, we can communicate on this one. We, we can also... Don't, don't tell the women this, but they actually go through hormonal changes when they're pregnant. There are times where you just don't think. Just, just listen and then walk away. I love you, honey. Believe me, I, 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 we don't want to get into what I happen to me. Anyways, but for whatever reason, Hagar and Sarai did not get away. In fact, they started to hate each other. And Hagar looking, look at me. And Sarah is going, oh. And you know what she did? Love this. Because she's going on, and then she says this in verse 5. May the wrong done me be upon you, Abram. It's your fault. Now, this is so typical. This is not typical for me. <laughs> now, I know a lot of you are saying, okay, it's typical. This is what Derek's saying. No. It's typical for every spouse. It's typical for every person, to be honest with you. You made me do it. He made me do it. My parents made me do it. God made me do it. The devil made me do it. I don't want any responsibility for this one. It's all your fault. And Hagar, because of this, leaves. And Hagar leaves and she runs away. And it's as she runs away, she's by this place and God meets her. And wondering, what are you doing? And God says to her, the, the angel of the Lord says to her, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. The summary of what it means, and if you get to the name what Ishmael means, is God heard her cry. God heard what she was going through, and that's the name Ishmael, God hears. And because of that, Hagar went back. And Hagar gave birth to this child, Ishmael. Now, I don't know if Abram was, like, fully on board with this decision when it started. But I think as Ishmael grew, he started to like it even more. Because he started to wonder. He started to think. He started to find, maybe this child, maybe this boy, is the child. Maybe this is the promise. Maybe this is what God has been talking about and couldn't speak for all these years. And he watched his child, Ishmael, grow up. And when Ishmael was 13, God came again to Abram. Abram was a little bit older at this time. He's about 99. And, and he was, and I'm, I'm guessing that Abram at this point was really thinking about the next step. Ishmael would have been at an age where he would marry. And he's probably thinking, who am I going to get Ishmael to marry? When are we going to get this family started? When are we going to have my great nation? When are we going to have a big family with all these descendants running around? And he's thinking through this, and God comes to him. And God speaks to him in chapter 17 and renews the covenant. He says in chapter 17, I am God Almighty. If you ever want to know about names, El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, 
As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall, your name shall be called Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. And kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of Jerusalem, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so God renews the covenant. God renews this relationship with Abram and says to him, I want you to walk before me as you walked before. I want to be your God and I want you to be my son. And I'll tell you what. Let's change some things about what we did before. Let's change your name. And so the name Abram, which meant exalted father, becomes Abraham, which is the father of many. A sign that later on, as he says, as he goes in this promise, that his descendants will receive all the blessings that God promised Abram or Abraham. That God will make him a great name, that God will make it, uh, them a great nation, and God will give them this land. And so, Abram's, or Abraham, I should say now, is quite excited. But then it goes in, if you're reading along, it goes into, for me anyways, a very painful thing. Circumcision. Now, we can go off in the room and we can talk about this a bit. But I can imagine Abraham sitting there listening to God. Oh, yeah. Great name, great nation. Ooh. Um, did you really want to say that, God? Quite painful. And I, I imagine that the next day, you know, Abram's sitting there and he's talking with all the people in his nation. And he's saying to them, you know, I talked to God last night. And then all the guys are like, yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine JT getting up in men's ministry night or something on first Monday. And he's talking to God. Well, what, what did he say? Oh, he had some interesting things to say. Who are we supposed to use this knife? Who wants to go first? Could you imagine the cries from Mommy up over the land that night? Quite interesting, but yet that's what they did. And they all did that. And as, as I said, as Abram or Abraham now is going through this, he's wondering, who is Ishmael going to marry? Who can I get? Because we're going to have all these descendants. I'm now Abraham, the father of many. But then God says, wait, hold on a second. You're not thinking broad enough. You're not thinking big enough. I need to expand your vision, so to say. Because what I'm going to do is much greater than you can even imagine. So sit down, Abraham, because I'm going to knock your socks off with this one. And he goes on in chapter 17. And he says in verse 15, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. And when he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. So he renews this covenant, but makes it even greater. Because he first, as he, as he changed Abram's name to Abraham, he changed Sarai's name to Sarah. Now, there's been a lot of debates in, in, in circles about what Sarah actually meant. We think it actually meant the same thing as Sarah, which means princess. So all you Sarahs out there, you can go home and I'm the princess. Um, but no, anyways, he says, and, and we get this sense when he's going through this, that Ishmael is important to him because he says, I wish Ishmael would live before you in your sight. And God doesn't want to forget Ishmael. He doesn't want to forget the promise he made to Ishmael. He says, I will make Ishmael a great nation and I will bless him. But my promise, my covenant, my relationship is with you and Sarah and you guys will have a child. And do you notice what happened? Do you notice what Abraham did? He laughed. I mean, who wouldn't laugh? God, God, are you... Looking at what I'm looking at, I mean, you know what, when you get, not that I'm old, um, when you get 35, they just don't work the way they did in 20. I can't run the five-minute mile anymore, not that I could when I was 20, by the way. Um, and I can't imagine what it's like when you're 100. And your wife's 90. And it hasn't been working for all these years, 24 years we've been trying this, and you're going to say we're going to have a child? And he laughs, he says, it chokes on you, God. Come on. We've we got to think this, you know. You're, am I, are we hearing this right? But he says, no. Next year, in fact, Sarah will have a child. Now, just a little side note here. I love what God does in our lives. Because a lot of times God promises us things. And we go through them and... and, and don't we shortcut them a bit at times? Aren't we a lot like Sarah with Hagar? And say, I know you promised me this, God, but I can't see how it's going to work out. So why don't we try it this way? Or Abraham thinking, no, no, I don't think, God, you can do that. I think the child that's right is Ishmael. And yet God is so good with us because he just lets us go. He lets us... You know, get into our own troubles. He doesn't sort of block us away. He just says, okay, Derek, if that's what you think you should do, go ahead and do it. And he watches. And he watches us get into a mess, but then he's so good because he brings us back. And he loves us. And he says, you know what? i got better things for you than you've ever imagined. I'm going to give you a son. Now, we've heard about some names. We've heard about the name Ishmael, which means God's ear. We've heard about the name Abraham, which means uh, father of many, and Sarah, which means princess. But what about the name Isaac? 
Well, we haven't finished yet with the story about Isaac, but it is interesting to note that Abraham laughed when Isaac's name came up. Now, it probably was a few weeks later, maybe even months later, but not long afterwards, that we, we come to the story in chapter 18. And there's Abraham. He's at the Oaks of Mamre, whatever that is. It says in the, the Terebinth of Mamre, we don't know what it is. We don't know where it is. But there's Abraham. He's sitting underneath the Oaks, got some good shade going. And the Lord comes to him with what we know as two angels. We find this out later on in the story. And Abraham wants to show great hospitality. He says, come on in, I want to make you a meal. And so he has everything go on. He says, you know, get, a, get a, uh, an animal, slay it, and we're going to have a nice meal, get, some, get something to drink for us, get some wet towels so they can wipe their feet and, and just cool down and relax and please stay with me. He's the host with the most. He's that, he's that person you go over to their house and you're like, whoa, I'm coming over to your house tomorrow night too. And he gives them all these things. And right after they, they, everything was cooked and, and Sarah was in the tent right nearby, the three visitors say to, to Ada, you know, where's your wife Sarah? I've heard so much about Sarah. I heard she's beautiful. I heard she's just, it's a great name, princess. Where's Sarah? Oh, she's in the tent. But let me just tell you what he says here. It's, it's, it's better than what I could make out of it. He says, verse 9, he says, Where is Sarah, your wife? This is 18.9. So they're in the tent. And he said, this is God speaking, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, to say the least, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No. But you did laugh. And we get the story here of Isaac. And did you notice the similarity between what Abraham reacted and how Sarah reacted? Sarah apparently uh, did not hear these words from Abraham before. Maybe they did. It's kind of like what goes on in my house. My wife says to me, you didn't tell me that. And I say, yes, I did. And then I realize I didn't. But I would never say that to her, though, by the way. <laughs> no, it, it, so she's hearing this for the first time. And she hears it, and she's just laughing like Abraham laughed. I'm behind the tent. He can't even see what I look like. I'm 90 years old. And I'm going to have a child? There's no way. The joke's got to be on someone else. Can you hear that laughter? It's like being at the, the butt of practical jokes. There's got to be something else going on here. But God says, no. Next time, this year, I will come back and visit you. And so Abraham laughs. Sarah laughs. And that laughter keeps going, by the way. In chapter 21, we have Isaac being born. 
So Sarah conceived and bore a son. This is verse 2 of 21. To Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. I always, by the way, tell my church, I have a lot of older people in my church, I say there's still hope. We can increase this church, everyone. I mean, this, we could double this church tomorrow. This is, this is great. And Sarah says, God, Sarah responds all to this as the name and says, God has made laughter for me. And everyone who hears will laugh with me. And that's we got the name Isaac. And you get what the name means? He laughs. It was after Abraham laughed and, and Sarah laughed. And now as she says, God has made laughter for me. And everyone who hears will laugh with me. And now we know that this laughter is not laughter that's talking about a sister or making fun of someone, but is a laugh that's like a deep belly laugh that is just enjoying, that is grinning ear to ear, that is smiling because of what God has done. It's a, it's a laughter that comes from understanding that question that God asked Sarah and Abraham in chapter 18. Did you, did you recognize the question? He says in, in chapter 18, he says, as we looked at it, Why is Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything that is impossible for the Lord? Or my best translation, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? And now we see what's going on. Because they're laughing with joy. What God is doing is greater than they could ever imagine. And this word is a great word to follow. And you can follow it along all through the Old Testament. Uh, Moses sang about this word, and he talked about it right after they crossed the Red Sea. Here's Moses singing, he says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? And that same word came up again, Joshua, right before they were crossing the Jordan. And we know that crossed the Jordan, they stepped on, the priest stepped on the Jordan, and immediately it dried up. And he said to them the night before, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then up on the board, I was checking out my, my Bible when it, when it came up. We have another. We have, there's lots of them, but I, I forgot this one. In Daniel. In Daniel 4, it was right up there on the board, Nebuchadnezzar. He, had, he went crazy. It's a great story, by the way. You can read it in, in chapter 3 of Daniel. He went nuts. He started eating grass like a cow and all this stuff. And he finally came to his senses and said, God, it is awesome. And this is what he says. And it seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty is his wonders. David said the same thing when he reflected on what God was doing in his life at the end of it, or during it. We don't know exactly. And he says in Psalm 145, On your glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Here are people 
that saw, that experienced that wonderful work of God. And their reaction was this, joy, laughter, because it was beyond imagination. It wasn't logical. It was illogical. In fact, it was hilarious, hysterical, because God was doing something greater than anyone could have ever imagined. But you know, there's another woman that heard this. I, I, I couldn't stop on this one. It, this is, it gets even better than that, because there's another woman that actually heard this same exact phrase. She was wondering how God could do all these things. And, and the angel came to her and said, the same exact phrase. Is anything too wonderful, too difficult for the world, or for nothing will be impossible with God? And you know what that young woman said? She went to God, young girl named Mary, and said, I am your servant. Do with me whatever you will. And after she realized she was pregnant, she sang a song. I can hear the laughter in it where she says, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble states of his servants. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Yes, Jesus' mother, Mary, heard that same question from God. And she laughed. She was overjoyed. And she didn't just see anything. She saw what Isaiah called wonderful counselor. Oh my God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. She saw Jesus himself, wonderful working himself, walking around. And so God does wonderful things in our life, and they lead to laughter. For Abraham and Sarah, it was Isaac, he laughs. For Mary, it was Jesus, wonderfulness himself. They understood the fact that God does wonderful things and causes us to laugh. A good belly laugh like Jamie had with me. A laughter that brings out joy. Because when God works in our lives, it's illogical. It seems too good to be true. It's better than imagined. Do you see God's wonder working in your life? Have you had times of laughter at what God is doing in your midst, around you, in your church, wherever you are? Think about it. Has God placed Isaacs in your life? Those signs that God does wonderful things things that cause you to laugh. You know, it didn't say what I did growing up. I was a farmer. You know, country bumpkin up in Salisbury. I, I felt better being on a tractor and being with the animals than being with lots of people. And you know what? It's downright laughable. It's hysterical that God has got me who was shy, who couldn't be around people, who still is shy, by the way, in front of speaking in front of others. God 
does amazing things. And maybe you've seen it in your life. Maybe it's the person you've met, your spouse. Or maybe it's the job you've landed. Or the place where God has put you. That God is doing amazing, wonderful things in your life. And we need to cultivate. We need to put in our lives this sense of wonder. This sense of joy and laughter. Now, if, if you want to do it, i got a few suggestions for you. You can be like Bonnie and John and go up to the mountains. Or go to the ocean. Do whatever. And experience God's goodness. And as you're there and you're pondering everything, think of these words from Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Go up there and realize how small you really are, and that God loves you, that God cares for you. Or even better, this one's better. You guys will experience this. But as I was sitting there three months, the doctor said, do you want to go see the baby? Sign me up, I want to see the baby. We don't know the sex, by the way, but he said, do you want to see the baby? It's a three-month-old baby in Christie's womb. And he's got the thing, and we're here in the heartbeat. I'm like, wow. And then the picture comes, and we see that heart beating. And you know what came to me is these words from Psalm 139. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Even my child, in my wife's womb, God knows. And the psalmist said, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Or think about the fact that you are known by the God of all. And, and, and come to God and say, you know, it's a trustworthy acceptance statement to deserve full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost of all. That God would care enough to save someone like me. God does wonderful things in all our lives that create laughter, that brings laughter to us. So enjoy it. Laugh with it. Enjoy what God is doing in your lives. You're going through a hard time, a difficult time. Maybe, you know, you want that job, you're, you're getting out of school, and you're thinking, I don't know where I'm going to go. Or you're thinking, I haven't met anyone yet. But I want to date or who wants to date me. Well, i got good news for you. It comes in the name Isaac. Because when you understand this story about Isaac, this story that God does wonderful things beyond the imagination, then we know that God is still working. We might not know the exact time, but we know that God is doing wonderful things for us. God works in wonderful ways that causes us to laugh. So have you had a good laugh lately? Have you had some time just exulting in God and seeing what He has done in your life, take some time to do it and give Him the glory. Would you join me in prayer?
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this story about Isaac. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your wonderful workings. That you can do even what we know or what scientists would say is impossible. That you can give a child to a hundred-year-old or ninety-year-old, and even better than that, a young girl who is a virgin. May you do those wonderful things in our midst, and may you open our eyes to see those wonderful things, that we might laugh, that we might rejoice, that we might have Isaacs in our life. We thank you, Lord. Amen.